Guys, welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're here. For those of you that are live that are out in the uh, lobby, uh, Vertical Church, enjoying some coffee and chicken biscuits, uh, we're kind of back in the swing of things. Phil just told Jeff, he said, you're kind of getting the hang of this now. So uh, maybe between the chicken biscuits and the coffee and all I was gathering back, we are getting in the hang of it. Glad we're here. Those of you tuning in uh, through the podcast or Zoom or whatever it is that we have these days, welcome. Glad you're here. Or if you come in uh, later on for the recorded message, glad you're here. Mike, good to see you. Man, this is great. This is great. More and more guys coming every week. Uh, we're meeting at Vertical Church. So glad that Ben is allowing us to gather here. We continue in the series of Joshua. Phil is back with us. He enjoyed spring break. Uh, kids are well out of school, but we still do spring break in the Harden house. Still a spring breaker. Still a spring breaker. It's on the beach, you know, but I thought that. I'm looking for my mask to pull up to be sure if you've been back on the beach. Guys, we did continue in the series of Joshua. And, and I, I want you to know that through this past year of dealing of being in the wilderness and now being led to the promised land, I continue to whisper into Phil's ear. Yes, I did say that. I whisper into his ear. The next series is on prosperity. Prosperity, brother, please. Prosperity. Guys, um, I woke up this morning and was just kind of wondering how many other people are feeling what I'm feeling. You know, we got through an election, we've gone through the administration change, and I've learned how to turn the, mute, the news off and don't listen to some of the stuff that's coming out of my TV or my radio. But how many of you are just kind of wondering, where are we? We're coming out of a pandemic, maybe. Have you gotten your vaccine? Are you afraid the vaccine's got a chip in it and Bill Gates is following us? It's uncertain times. Very uncertain times. And I get my assurance from the one that went to the cross, who was raised from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. Through him is the only place I can find true peace. Celebrated the anniversary of a brother gone too soon yesterday. And he celebrated the loss of our brother here, Max, five years ago by buying a dog. And on his third anniversary of his passing, his wife and daughter had to put that dog down yesterday. It's a tough day. Where's your peace? Where do you find that? As Phil leads us, I hope you find it in the risen one. Let me open for the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Thank you for us being men among men. Father, be with my brothers that are hurting. Open our hearts now to hear your message. Thank you for Jeff and Jeff and Chris and for Phil preparing each week to lead us. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right. Now I'm on. How about that? So good to be back with you. Um, appreciate um, Ron pinch hitting for me uh, last week. Did a great job. 
now, when you see Ben, you need to, uh, Ben has a new name. Uh, ben Derrick, Pastor Den, uh, Den Barrick. Uh, we are uh, grateful for Ben uh, allowing us to be here. And uh, Ben, we, we love your uh, ability to know where you need to be when you need to be. Yeah, um, Ben's like all the rest of us uh, that have really, really good wives, uh, because I invited Ben to pinch hit for me about three or four weeks ago. So I kept asking Ben, uh, Ben, you good? You good? I'm, I'm, I'll be spring. Ben, I, I got it. Got it covered. So Saturday before last Thursday, he texts me and says, oh, goodness, I just talked to my wife and she let me know that I'm supposed to be at spring break. It's like, dude, don't you have a calendar? I mean, I mean, does your wife tell you everything about where you need to be, you know, like mine does? Okay. So, so Ben now has a, has a new nickname, Calendar. We're just going to call him Calendar. So, Ben, you know, if you're not being made fun of, then we don't love you. <laughs> That's the way it works around here. So, uh, Rome's here. Rome's here. yeah, and, 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 and Roan did a great job last week. I just can't say it enough. Just can't say it enough. Roan did a great job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, um, I took, a, I took some time off and as typical for me, um, I keep a pretty busy schedule. Uh, Ron calls me the poster boy for self-care. You know, I, I'm the worst self-care person on the planet. Um, and so I tried to do a little self-care, took some time off and got sick. I mean, what's up with that? You know, I got the chest call, coughing stuff up. So, you know, I've, I've got my uh, stuff here in my pocket. So when I get ready to cough something up a half a lung, uh, I'll have something to put it in. I won't have to put it in my hand and stick it in my pocket. You know, I, I hate when that happens. I've, I've done that before. So too much TMI, TMI. <laughs> but uh, glad to be back with you. Um, so I have a song for you this morning, and we're going to dive in to Joshua chapter 2. Uh, jo Joshua chapter 2 is all about um, a woman. Uh, isn't it interesting uh, that God immediately upon leading uh, the children of Israel um, into, the, into Canaan, they're confronted by a woman. I mean, a woman was waiting on them. I mean, isn't that kind of the way it works? You know, as I've worked with men for over uh, 30 years, you know, there's two things that a man will start talking about when he gets honest with you. He'll start t telling about his dad, his relationship with his dad, uh, wounds there, uh, the goods, bads, and the uglies there. And then he'll always say, and then there's this woman. <laughs> there I was, minding my own business, and there was this girl. I know. I've heard it before. I know. So um, Rhonda Louise, uh, who is a wonderful gospel singer, Christian singer out of Canada, uh, wrote a song that I want to share with you this morning, Rahab. Now, I gave Chris so much to put on the handout that he didn't have room for the words, um, I just, I, I finally reached Chris's limit and he didn't know how to uh, get it on there without putting the font at about four. So that, that, that wasn't going to work. So the words are these, let me just read part of this uh, to you uh, as we consider the redemptive nature of Rahab. Why would God give us a character like Rahab to help us on March 25th, 2021? 
it was intentional, even today. The song goes this way. I wonder if she was pretty. Did her hair curl in the rain? She must have had a welcoming smile because being a harlot couldn't have been easy in selling herself for a time. Used, then forgotten, not as a woman, but an item. To satisfy men's fleeting desires, bathing, then relenting to her way of life. The familiar cycle left her tired. Rahab knew her need of a savior. Rahab left a legacy of imperfect humanity, and in her inadequacies, she sought out, she sought out in need of a Savior. May you hear the voice of God, and may He open our hearts to what He has for us this morning. pretty did her hair curl in the rain she must have had a welcoming smile cause being a harlot couldn't have been easy and selling herself for a time
like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We continue. Uh, Joshua, take the land, be the man. Follow with me uh, in your notes as we read the opening paragraph. The book of Joshua is the book of conquest. The battlefield is Canaan, and it is where God keeps his promise that he made with Abraham. In this study, we will use the land possessed by Joshua and the people of Israel as a metaphor to understand how we take possession of what it means to be a Christian man. A Christian man, what does it mean to be a Jesus follower, to call yourself a Christian? We will examine 10 issues that men face every day. Each day is a battle to be faced with courage, strength, and faith. You must be courageous, will you? We're in a war. We're being attacked. Did you really think it was going to be easy? But it's about growth, and that's what we're looking at. This is number three in our ten issues. Growth. Are you a growing man? And the piece of the idea of growing that we want to look at is the practicing of spiritual disciplines. What does that really mean, spiritual disciplines? What are the exercises that we need to be involved in? Daily habits, spiritual disciplines. So I want you to pick up your pen, and um, I've got three questions for you. And what I want you to do, and you can do this in, in uh, uh, social distancing as you want to, I just want you to pair up with somebody. I'm going to ask you these three questions. I want you to jot down an answer, and I want you to share your answers. So now that we're together, we can have some interaction just a little bit. <clears throat> so three questions. What has been the greatest influence on your growth as a man? What are you going to share with your buddy? Greatest influence. Number two, what evidence could you give for being a Jesus follower? What would you point to? Well, you know, you know, I used to go to church. You know, I don't even go to church anymore. You know, whatever. What, what, would you, what would you point to that somehow would be evidence that you really are a Jesus follower? And then finally, what are you doing intentionally and deliberately now to grow? What are you doing now? All right, so pair up, share that for a few minutes. Let's have some interaction. Um, let's uh, pull together. It is good to have some interaction. 
Hope you learned um, some things from your new friend. Let me just uh, quickly mention a couple things that I would write in my journal as I would journal this. What's your greatest, been the greatest influence on your growth as a man? And there's no doubt in my mind that it, it is, has been the study of God's word. I was very fortunate when I came to Christ um, that I uh, got in a Bible study with, by, led by Campus Crusade and uh, man, I still remember the things that I was learning. I mean, I could not, I was a hungry little bird being fed by God's word and, and, and the love of his word and the sweetness of his word, uh, changed my life, um, dramatically. What evidence could you give for being a Jesus follower? And I would, I would say personally to me, it is the continued hunger for his word. I have an appetite. I acquired an appetite. I didn't, I wasn't born with an appetite for God's word by any means, but the continued hunger for his word and then for love for his people. Um, I am so energized uh, by continuing to see God's work in men. And it's so entertaining. I mean, it is a reality show uh, seeing men like you, men like me, men like us. Uh, it's like uh, I'm often asked, why do you keep doing what you're doing? Well, now it's just the entertainment. Now it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, watching you guys, you know, come out of just stupidness. It's, it's fun. It's great. And then, and then the other piece that would be evidence to me, is just God's continued grace. Uh, I mean, just blessing upon blessing, uh, grateful for what I have grateful for every day, uh, for my health, for my family, um, for you, my brothers. What are you doing intentionally and deliberately uh, to grow? And I would say, um, continuing to reach out, continuing to try to figure out how we can build a kingdom. Um, I mean, my wife and I, Carla and I, we're always sitting talking about how we can grow the ministry, expand the ministry. We're not talking about, you know, a new rocking chair for the front porch. I don't, I don't want a rocking chair for the front porch. I want a motor scooter, you know, or something. I want something with a, with a motor on it. Uh, I, I want, I, I'm going, you know, and uh, guys, uh, we are intended uh, to keep taking ground for the kingdom. So let's dig in to Joshua. Joshua is our model of growth. God always gives us a model. Um, and so Joshua is, is uh, who we're looking at as our model in order to be uh, the men that he's called us to be. So we're into chapter two. Now we're going to keep walking through Joshua. Now, uh, they've crossed over the Jordan river. This, uh, the picture that's been up there is, uh, is again, that pictorial representation by Matthew West, um, of the children crossing over, uh, the Jordan river. And now we're in chapter two, follow as I read Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out from Shittim, Two men as spies go look over the land, check out Jericho. They left and arrived at the house of a harlot named Rahab and stayed there. Now, really, God, I mean, do you have to bring in harlots right off the bat? I mean, I have enough problems as it is, you know, and all of a sudden we're talking about harlots. I mean, what, what kind of a story is this? The king of Jericho was told, we've just learned that men arrived tonight to spy out the land. They're from the people of Israel. The king of Jericho sent word to Rahab. 
bring out the men who came to you to stay the night in your house. We know they're, we know they're there. Now, again, uh, most likely, you know, this wasn't like Rahab's house, little, little house in the, um, in the middle of the city. This was a brothel or this was a bar. This was a, uh, uh, this was an inn uh, that she ran. I, I think of Kitty on Gunsmoke, you know, she was Miss Kitty. Okay. Get it. Some of you guys don't even know what gun smoke is. All right. They're spies. They've come to spy out the whole country. You need to be aware of these guys. These are bad guys. And the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, two men did come to me, but I didn't know where they'd come from at dark. When the gate was about to be shut, the men left, but I have no idea where they went, but I have no idea where they went. Wow. Hurry up, chase them. You can still catch them. She had actually taken them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that were spread out of her uh, out for her on the roof. So the men gave chase down the Jordan road toward the fords. As soon as they were gone, the gate was shut. Now guys, for all the rigid people in the room, this is a problematic passage. Is it not? If you're rigid, black and white, never, never, never tell a lie, wrestle with this tonight. Cancel Joshua. <laughs> Cancel Joshua. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cancel Joshua. This is, this is woke morning at men's round table. Woke up, everybody. It's like, what do you do with a lie? It's problematic. You know, anybody in here not told a lie? That's a lie. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, this is, God is so mysterious. He is so creative. You cannot put God in a box. He starts out this redemptive story of Joshua with a harlot and a lie. Now, what do you do with that? It ain't black and white. If you can't get uh, used to mystery, as being part of the equation in walking with God, you're going to have problems. You know, scripture is very clear. You can't figure him out. You can't put him in a box. He ain't like you. He ain't like me. He is God. Thank you, God. Before the spies were down for the night, the woman came up to them on the roof and said, now this is amazing. This is the kind of confessional that would be wise for you and me to make every day. May, may you and I, in some form, write these words in our journal every morning. When, when I start my journaling every morning, I typically write the word today, and I'll do an affirmation. I'll do a declaration of who I am, what I am in, in God. I want my brain to be told who I am. I want my heart to be settled in who I am. Listen to what Rahab says. I know that God has given you the land. It's like going to a football game in Nayland Stadium and being declared the winner. Well, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Unless you're the visiting team. And yes, you're the visiting team. <laughs> That's right. All right. Things have changed in Knoxville. I don't know if you've heard. We're all afraid. Everyone in the country feels hopeless. 
we heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt. And what he, had, what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, Shan and Og, whom you put under a holy curse and destroyed, we heard it and our hearts sank. We all had the wind knocked out of us, and all because of you, you and God, your God, God of the heavens above and God of the earth below. Can you imagine being those spies and hearing a whore say that to you as one of the most beautiful uh, statements of faith ever uh, said? And these, these spies are like, I mean, like, we're the ones supposed to be coming in here with confidence. And it's like this harlot is confessing God that makes our faith look like grasshoppers. What a mighty God we serve, beautifully said. What a mighty God. Guys, if that doesn't send chills down your spine this morning, then maybe you're not a Jesus follower. You're just a Jesus sitter. You know? Powerful words. Powerful words. Now promise me by God, I showed you mercy. Now show my family mercy and give me some tangible proof, a guarantee of life for my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, everyone connected with my family, save our souls from death. We put our, my family, we put our uh, life in your hands. Our lives for yours, said the men, but don't tell anyone our business. When God turns this land over to us, we'll do right by you in loyal mercy. She, she lowered them down out of a window with a rope because her house was on the city wall to the outside. And she told them, run for the hills so your pursuers won't find you. Hide out there for three days and give your pursuers time to return, then get on your way. And the men told her, in order to keep this oath, you made us swear, here is what you must do. Hang this red rope out the window through which you let us down and gather your entire family with you in your house, father, mother, brothers, and sisters. Anyone who goes out the doors of your house into the street is and is killed, it's his own fault. We aren't responsible. But for everyone within the house, we take full responsibility. If anyone lays a hand on one of them, it's our fault. But if you tell anyone of our business here, the oath you made us swear is canceled. We're no longer responsible. And she said, if that's what you say, that's the way it is. And she sent them off. They left, and she hung the red rope out the window. They headed for the hills and stayed there for three days until the pursuers had returned. The pursuers had looked high and low but found nothing. The men headed back. They came down the hills, crossed the river, and returned to Joshua, son of Nun, and reported all their experiences. They told Joshua, yes. God has given the whole country to us. Everybody there is, is in a state of panic because of us. Can you imagine? What a report. What a report. Because of a woman, a harlot. I mean, it just makes me giggle like a schoolgirl when I think of how creative God is. Amazing. You to watch this. This is... Um, 
a um, uh, the Bible um, project um, did a film on um, Rahab. And this is a piece of just the um, gal who played Rahab and a few clips from it, just to give you a pictorial representation of what it might have looked like Rahab and the spies. Watch this. My name's Stephanie Leonidas, and I play Rahab in the Bible series. Rahab, my little whore. What are you doing out? You know it's not safe. Safe enough. No one is safe. I can look after myself. My first reaction when I found out that I was playing Rahab was that, um, who is she really? Um, I, uh, I went to a Catholic school myself, um, but I hadn't, I didn't know who Rahab was. Hello? So, um, it was research for me straight away. Keep quiet, and I promise I won't hurt him. She lives in Jericho with her family, and she's a prostitute uh, who runs an inn. You're Israelites. You've heard about us? You have a God who commands the winds and parts the seas. This whole city is terrified of you. How can we fight a people whose God can do that? And despite the tough life that she's, she's had, her faith and kindness gave her the strength to take a risk. Open the door! Can we get out that way? Go. I'll store them if I can. A risk that could have killed her, but ultimately it saved her and her family. When our army comes, hang this on your door so they will know not to harm you. You'll be passed over. That's something quite admirable. Um, and yeah, quite a, quite a strong character. God has kept his promise. I really enjoyed the final scene where uh, Rahab and the soldiers and everybody is looking up at the sky and shouting and chanting Israel. We all looked up and it was just a blanket of stars and it was quite a moving experience and it just felt like a big family and really powerful. God has kept his promise every day, every day. God has kept his promise. So digging in to this idea of Rahab and why, why would God want us to just creatively? I mean, again, God can always tell us what he wants us to know in some sort of didactic way. He can just say, have faith, believe me. Oh, that is so boring. How about let's put a prostitute in the picture, um, the most unlikely of characters. Let her be the hero of the story, that she's the one that has the most faith, and she inspires the nation of Israel to believe God. Well, no, that no, that won't sell. We we can't. God, come on. I mean, can you imagine God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son sitting in the conference room with a storyboard trying to figure this thing out? Like God, you know, really, Jesus, come on, you know. 
I mean, it's hilarious, but that's what God uses. So the first thing that God is intending, as he always does in keeping his promises, is to inspire us in faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. Do you trust God today? I mean, where are you going to be at 10 o'clock this morning? I mean, you may get bad news. What's going to be going on in your life at 3 o'clock this afternoon? And I, I assure you that whatever's going on, that God is intending to elicit faith from you and me. Rahab heard of God's great acts, and she knew that her only refuge was in the Lord. Isn't that amazing? She said no to her family members. I mean, I'm sure she had family members that were all tied into the Canaanite gods, Canaanite, uh, Canaanite culture, but she had heard of the God of Israel, and she put her faith in God. Now, let me ask you a question here. How do you know that your faith is believing faith? How do you know? Let me, let me show you just a simple diagram that uh, somebody showed this to me years ago. And um, again, I'm, I'm the master of plagiarism. Actually, my wife calls me a curator. She loves me. So I collect stuff. So faith, believing faith, can be understood in this triangle. There's three parts to believing faith. First of all, there is just what we call belief. Um, in belief, we would just call this the cognitive part, you know? So, so it have some substance. What do you believe, you know? Existential faith would just say, well, you just need to believe. You need to have faith. Well, dude, that is mamby-pamby. No. What do you believe in? What is the object of your faith? Believe me, the object of your faith is more important than the size of your faith. You get that? The object of your faith is more important than the size of your faith. If your object is off, I mean, let's say you go out to the airport, and you and I are going out there, and, um, you know, there's two planes sitting out there. And, you know, I look at this one and it's really shiny and cool and really good. And I say, you know, I think I'll take that plane. And then I look over at Ron and I say, Ron, you have a whole lot more faith than I do. And the other plane's kind of cockeyed, wheels uh, uh, busted off of it, wings kind of a little cockeyed. You know, it's all rusted out. And I say, Ron, you have a lot more faith than I do. Won't you take that one? <laughs> Ron says, okay. <laughs> it's the object of your faith. A little bit of faith in a good object will get you where you want to go. A whole lot of faith in a bad object going to crash. Okay? So belief. The second second piece of this is trust. And that's the that's what we would call the relational piece. This is this is the intimate piece that there's a relational can is it trustable? Do I trust you? Um, and so this is the intimate relational piece. It's like getting to know God. Is this God that I know um, a relationship, or is it just a whole lot of just energy on my part? No, I trust 
my dad, I trust my mom or not. So it's the relational part. And then finally, if you have believing faith, there's a fidelity part. Fidelity. And that's the obedient part. That is, obey me. Obey me, God says. No, I'm, you know, I'm not going to obey you. Uh, I'm going to give my allegiance to all kinds of stuff. To idols. No, that's not believing faith. Now, I don't have the time to work with this, but it's really fun to kind of work with this. It's like a three-legged stool of the triangle, and you take one out and see what that is. And I mean, you could actually define churches that would be like that, communities that would be like that. Take one out and see what you got with two. You know, take, take another one out, what you got with the other two. But in order to have believing faith, you need a good object, belief, substance. You need intimacy or relational trust. And then you need fidelity, obedience. Isn't that cool? I think that's what Rahab had. She had heard of God. She knew that there was an intimacy about him, and she was willing to put her whole life and family's life in the hands of the God of Israel. Wow. Wow. And what she gained from it is belonging. Ever had crisis of belonging? I belong here. Can I be accepted? Now, theologians call this adoption. Um, adoption that Rahab was adopted into the family of God, just like you and I. When we come to Jesus, we are grafted in, um, we are adopted into the family of God. And all that adoption is talking about, even for Rahab, is simply you belong with us but she's a Gentile and she's a whore. Now, you know, if she showed up at your church on Sunday morning, would she even be allowed in? You know? Wow. Belong. Belonging, guys. I need to belong, don't you? Things I've done, things you've done. So grateful that I belong to God. And what's amazing that must have just completely floored Rahab is the idea of welcome. Those who are outside the people of God today can join his kingdom. Welcome. All are welcome. And God inserts Rahab into the redemptive story right off the bat. It's not Jews only, you know, it's not only whatever. I mean, pick a category. No, it's welcome, welcome, welcome. Joe knows, and I, and I, and I love um, Joe's habit of welcoming us every uh, Thursday morning at Men's Roundtable. And when we do our Men's Coaching Weekend, there's one word that you will hear a hundred times with no apology. Well, we wear that out. We wear that out. And I've often been, uh, uh, I've, I've had uh, this said to me, so Phil, you keep saying the same thing over and over to everybody. Well, that part, because I, I don't know anything else to say. I'm kind of stupid. I'm simple. But it's like, it's intentional. There is nobody, when you're saying it to, to a person, 
that doesn't want to hear welcome and to feel welcome. And that's what God gives us with Rahab. Welcome, welcome. And then finally, uh, this idea of grace. Grace. Once again, grace wins. Grace wins. You know, when you look at the genealogy of Jesus, uh, you would expect to see if if any um, women are going to be mentioned, you would expect to hear names like Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah, all of those prominent women in the redemptive story of God. But you don't hear those. Th- those, those aren't the women that are mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. What you've got is these Gentile women that have these very skewed stories. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. I mean, what would you do at the family reunion if Rahab showed up? Well, you know, little brother's got a new girlfriend. You know, that's how that goes. You know, oh, did you hear? Uh, Baba's bringing his girlfriend. Oh, my goodness. He, you mean he's bringing her? Yeah, he's bringing her at the family reunion. You know, it's just hilarious. And, and God, like, throws a skunk in the room right off the bat. It's like, really, God? Yeah, really. Because you're no better than her. You're no better than her. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then, guys, sliding over here to manhood, just, just a word, and then we'll close. Spiritual disciplines. Ephesians chapter 4 is a whole passage about how God has given people and resources for us to mature. And, um, you know, maturity is the goal, not, not your comfort, you know, not so you'll have a good day, have a happy day, have a smiley face day. You're in a war. God takes care of us, but he plans on you growing up and being better tomorrow than you are today. I want to be a better man tomorrow than I am today. I want to be mature. I want to handle a situation maturely. And the way that works is through his works, his word, his whisper, his witness. Those are all a way of understanding spiritual disciplines. And I've included for you three books that I would highly recommend to you on spiritual disciplines. John Ortberg's book, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. I love John Ortberg, uh, clear communicator, clear writer. Uh, Richard Foster, book came, that came out in the 70s. I read as a young Christian, Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. Powerful, powerful book. Must read on your journey toward maturity. And then finally, kind of the like, it's like, okay, now don't get this third one unless you're serious. This is like serious, serious. And this is Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives. You tell me you're reading that, I'll be impressed. I mean, it's not a hard read, but it is a deep read, and it'll take you deep into the heart of God. The three, which would you write? I would, I would recommend starting with Richard Foster's book. If you haven't read any of them, that's, that's what I would, you would you'd agree? Yeah, I would start with Richard Foster and work your way up. Okay. Yeah. Celebration of the disciplines by Richard Foster. Yep. So guys, we serve, we serve 
a magnificent God. And to him be the glory. And we've been invited in as Rahab was. Is that not amazing? Welcome. Glad you're here. Father, we bow our heads to acknowledge the uh, deep, deep, deep love uh, and, and grace that you give us every day. May we be energized and inspired to walk with you today and be a welcome mat for everybody that comes into our presence, that we would be welcoming, warm, and inviting, and that they would smell the aroma of Jesus in us and on us. For it's your glory that we desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.